Welcome to I Was Just Wondering with me, Tom Salmon, the show that dives into music, film and games and everything else in between. My guest on this week's show is the 3D designer and special effects artist Matilda Mace, and you can listen to our conversation recorded live on Voices Radio right now. So, um, as always, I have four topics that I'd like to cover with you um, today. And the first topic is how to make a monster. So I'd like to go back to 2021 when you graduated from Ravensbourne University with a BFA in fashion, accessories and textiles. So how did that experience broaden your creative horizons? So um, I actually, which some people don't know, a lot of people don't know, I actually um, dropped out Um on my so I got I did foundation and then I did first and second year right. and then on the third year I dropped out so um, I think like in terms of higher education it was necessary for me but I also really benefited from dropping out right um, and I wouldn't go back on it it was something that I actually found changed my um, work for the better Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely did enjoy um, my foundation year and my first and second year so I have like pros and cons to say for it all really so what was the tipping point for you that made you want to drop out Um, I think it was like the third year everyone it was when everyone went into lockdown and I was just at home and I did like so for my uni course it was textiles and mm-hmm. um like materials and when i when going into that i thought it was going to be very much like um more like accessory based where i can make accessories around the body like yeah. monster accessories mm. and fun things like that and when i actually got there it was very much like this is how to make a perfect bag this is how to make a perfect shoe this is how to make a basic hat yeah. So, um, in terms of like creativity for me, it just wasn't there. Mm. Um, so I just decided to, yeah, I think it went to lockdown in the third year and I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, right. you know, I, I'd much rather just be at home and kind of, yeah, I just decided to do it. It was like a risk that I right. was willing to take. So, so you'd say for you, is it that the experience is too formal, too traditional in a sense? Um, I mean, I'm not like a hater of education. I actually right. like, I actually really don't mind school. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It's not like I was not enjoying being under an educational, like mm-hmm. bit in an educational thing. It was more that like, I knew that I was not producing the right work for me. Right. And like, yeah, it was just more that, I knew that I was destined for something that I wasn't doing and it was just mm. like I'm wasting time and I'm wasting money and like I'm not even getting the fun aspect aspects out of uni like social life and yeah which I don't even think is a big thing in London anyway mm-hmm. like social life at uni yeah um so yeah I think 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so just following on from that, I read an interview you did with Kate Kidney Bishop for Covell magazine. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, and you talked about the transformative moment where you went from working on a flat surface to a full 3D environment. So could you talk me through that pivotal creative moment for you? Yeah, um, I'd say like it kind of stems from me being quite young. I mean, I think when I realised that the moment was like it really was a moment was like I'd say and in my A-levels when I started to do um, so I was doing art and it was very much like painting and I was doing like flat paintings and everything like that and then when I started to um, tap into like ceramics which is basically I was really lucky my school did 3D um, uh, sculpting Mm -hmm. so that was like my favourite subject ever and I was just so like amazed that I could sculpt and actually do it as a um, a level so I think when I started to like learn how to do sculpting and then I realized like art doesn't actually have to be flat right um in my art a level I did a then I kind of I think the pivotal moment was in my art class actually right and my teacher was like telling me to do these paintings and I and I love doing oil paintings but then I was like I really want to just like um, do makeup or, or make a costume or mm-hmm. something so I actually for my art A level I made um, a costume for my final art A level like I did this like walking tumour thing okay. which was like yeah. it was actually really it was actually really funny it was like because um, I was experimenting with like texture yeah. texture because I've always been really into textiles mm-hmm. and I basically got loads of condoms right. and I like blew them up massive yeah and then I covered them in latex and popped them and they became these like really amazing like shriveled oh, wow. bu- bulbous yeah weird textures yeah, yeah. and then so that was like the first thing that my teacher was so confused about in art but it was like really cool and then I sewed them all to this um costume mm. and then for my other a-level art project I made um my friends I did drag makeup on all my friends and then I styled them and I did photography so it wasn't so much flat kind of since then Um, so I'd say from about school was the pivotal moment and I just want to jump into the software you use because I think you use Blender Mm. to create your 3D works and just following on from that like because I was thinking about it and it was interesting to me when you think typically of a fashion designer or fashion typically it's designed like pen and paper on a flat piece of paper and the perspective's flipped whereas mm. now we have the technology to realise something in a 360 view which changes the material and how it actually like looks yeah. so I guess that's part of a new generation of designers using something mm. like Blender um, so how did you go about learning Blender? Well, actually, how I went about it was um, I caught Corona <laughs> on Christmas. <laughs> right. And I'm like a really high functioning, like a high functioning person where if I don't have something to do, I'm like, my anxiety goes up. I'm like, what should I do with my life? Like, I can't yeah. make. And basically, I caught Corona around Christmas time and I couldn't be dealing with my resin and my materials because it was bad for my health okay um and I was like literally stuck on the sofa for like two weeks so I just decided to literally become like a blender uh student on YouTube and then I just taught myself blender and I think I was lucky enough at the time it was when I just dropped out of uni and my Instagram started to like gain more followers Mm -hmm. for what I actually wanted to do yeah um and yeah I just managed to get like a few jobs doing blender jobs which was like I actually collaborated with this amazing artist Mutanta Mm -hmm. um and she was um I was making the blender molds for her she sent them over to um 
the Amazon and they basically rubber tapper trees. Okay, yeah. And you basically like, I don't know how exactly it works. I think you, you like cut cut them a certain way and you, you put a funnel in them mm. and latex comes out of the tree. So it's yeah. like a natural way mm-hmm. of making latex. So I basically made these molds for her and they were sent through Blender to the Amazon where um, all of the locals were putting the latex in the molds. Yeah. So that was like something that was so cool because it was just, I just learned Blender at home and I was just grateful to do that. But to be honest, I faked it till I made it with the Blender. <laughs> Right. And I did it, so... Yeah. I mean, just for people who don't know what Blender is, because obviously I do, you do. Yeah. Could you just talk a little bit about, like, a process of maybe making those moulds <coughs> from, like, scratch a little bit so people actually mm-hmm. understand, like, how you do that? Yeah. Um, so Blender's, like, a 3D software. Um, it's the free It's the free version, because there's, like, Maya and other software. So it's yeah. the free software where you can essentially, like, make a 3D object with... Um, using different functions and then you can like cut that object out of things Mm -hmm. you can um, make perfectly geometrical patterns it's like a computer aided design to make things that can be printed 3D yeah like a 3D printer yeah yeah Um, so and I the process um um, do you know what I haven't I haven't used Blender for like a year so I can't remember but I remember it was a lot of my the pieces I made were very sculpted Mm -hmm. and it wasn't actually Blender wasn't the right program for it. I needed to use like Rhino, which is more of a right. nat- natural sculpt. Okay. Um, Blender's really hard edge. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot yeah. of sculpting with my brush, yeah. which I really enjoyed. But it wasn't, I couldn't sink my teeth into it. Right. You know? right. So, yeah. Um, and also, just jumping back to you, um, you were saying about being more practical. Um, in terms of using like foam and resin and clay, and I guess that the question is, in terms of those mediums, how do those mediums make you feel when you're like using them? What's the emotional tactile response you have to those? Um, I would say in terms of like emotion, I would say from the start using them, it's just the best thing for me is to be able to use a 3D substance. Mm. Um, so, I mean, resin, I was using a lot in lockdown um, mm. to make these like algae bags yeah um, and that was something that kind of um, people were following me for at, at that time but that was actually quite harmful for my health so right. I, I tried to steer clear of that I even I looked into getting a bioresin and I got a bioresin which was okay but in terms of like clay um, I use foam clay which is amazing so it's like this foam it's this clay that you can sculpt and then it dries you can dremel it yeah. um, paint it I just find like it 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 makes my brain calm mm-hmm. being able okay. to sculpt with my hands like yeah. look at an object in 3D and create something that is 3D is just I find it's like the easiest thing for me to do yeah it's so much easier than reading a book it's so much easier than even drawing yeah um, it's just like my my um my life really yeah is to just make things mm-hmm. and yeah I guess there's an instant feedback when you're using material like that. And I just want to um, pick up on the suit of armor that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that made for... How did you go about making that? Was that a resin or a clay? Um, was this the one that you posted? But it was the one yeah, that I posted, yeah. 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 Um, well, that was actually... So I dropped... So um, that armor was a self-inflicted passion project right, that okay. I just, just did for myself because I never do pieces like that for myself ever. I'm always working... Um, 
so I had a job at a film industry company yeah and um, it was like taking up all my time I was up 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. it oh, was wow, like yeah. th- I mean the film industry is mental mm-hmm. I have so much good to say more good than bad but it's hard graft like mm-hmm. and I think I was doing that for like six months and then I was just like I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna take the risk because I love taking a scary risk it's yeah. like what drives my I don't know why. It's like a weird, sick thing I like to do. Um, But I took the risk and I was like, I'm going to just see what happens because, like, design-wise, it's not enough working in the film industry. So then I just... Mm. Anyway, I'm digressing, but I left... I I dropped out of that uh, job. um, And then I was like, I'm just going to, like, reignite my creativity and make myself some armour. Yeah. So... um, And I've been wanting to make armour for ages, like, Lord of the Rings style, like, Mm -hmm. orc slash like kind of like gruesome and just I just had all of these references from amazing films like Dracula yeah and I just wanted to create something like purely for me so that was Mm. just something that I made it was out of foam and then it was sculpted with clay and then it was painted and rubbed and hair was put in it and it was just really fun but it took me only three days oh wow okay yeah nice yeah um, so just nicely following on from that question, so your design and special effects work takes inspiration from a lot of different places, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Pinterest, mood boards and sleep paralysis, I think you've mentioned as well. So what is the most frequent emotion that powers your creative drive? Is it that sense of risk? Um, um, yeah, I do definitely like to take a risk with my work. It's something that I, I really enjoy um, not knowing what's around the corner but I'd say emotion wise what drives my work mm. is um, I'd say dreams are like my spiritual my spiritual side and dreams yeah. and um, the like spiritual realm um, is something that really drives my passion um, and interest for like um, mythical creatures and um, transforming humans and morphing like reality with um mm this other world yeah so i'd say it's dreams okay really uh, are you quite a vivid dreamer then yes yeah i actually um i definitely have like um crazy dreams okay so i have some like that i wrote i always write down the worst ones on my phone but they're they're just like i always find when i wake up and i haven't dreamt i'm really sad right because i love waking up and then i'm like because a dream for me is is like a creative film you're watching a film when you're asleep and then you wake up and I'm like wow that's something I never saw before and now I really want to make that Mm -hmm. not make that exactly but I want to I want to continue my path of like creation um so yeah I also have a sleep talking app um because I sleep talk like a wild woman um so yeah I'd say I'm very active in my sleep um, can we talk a little bit about sleep paralysis because that's something I've suffered from in the past and it's mm. a very unusual slash scary yet fun thing and I know you've spoken previously uh, about that. How has that sort of influenced you? Um, I'd say like sleep paralysis definitely um, was something that from a very young age like stuck with me and I think it actually was what primarily inspired my um, like interest in dark characters and like being scared and Mm -hmm. like because I find comfort in being scared and I think it's a weird like response to to when I was younger years of being terrified Mm. because of this sleep paralysis right um so it's a really weird thing but I actually enjoy watching a scary film okay um and that's what kind of sparked my my love for like dark 
thing. Yeah. So I'd say um, as much as sleep paralysis is terrifying, um, it, I can actually also benefit from it. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so with those previous questions in mind, I'd like to jump into October 2021 and into the creative process from start to finish of your baby Krampus suit. So can you talk to me about My the baby. Yeah, your initial uh, creative spark? <laughs> Um, yeah, that was actually, um, the second, my, uh, my second costume that I'd ever done. Right. And I was, so it was initially, um, my friend, uh, Zeal Frail is his Instagram handle. And he, um, popped up to me being like, we'd love you to make us a costume. Mm-hmm. Um, like Krampus does OnlyFans. <laughs> and I was just right. like, this is like hilarious because my yeah. work's all about like sex, but also like monsters Mm. and like um yeah my work's very that and I just thought oh my god I'm so excited to do that so I said yes and then made mood boards and I was working um on a uh, with a film company at the time right and it literally was something that took it took me about a week to make Mm. and I'd already preempted everything on my drive up to work every day so when it came to doing it I was like so ready to go right um and yeah, that was like my first, my second costume, but I'd say my first successful one because mm-hmm. my first one was very much like learning. I was yeah. learning um, and I loved it. It was so fun. We then went up to London and we shot it. Um, and yeah, that's the costume that's um, kept uh, progressing. Yes, it's um, <laughs> a famous costume. So for people who don't know what a baby Krampus is, uh-huh. could you describe it? Um, Krampus is like this I don't want to get it wrong but it's this I think it's this um, Christmas tradition in in it's Germany Germany yeah, it's Germany. yeah, yeah I think yeah. Um, where a cra- like I think if you something to do with the Krampus coming down the fireplace yeah, yeah, yeah. and he ha- he takes your he comes and I can't he, he remember like exactly yeah he bit, punishes yeah. you like Bad, bad children yeah. or something he comes down and he's basically this fawn character this devil slash fawn character with fawn legs and a, and a devil upper body mm. um so for my costume i wanted to make i wanted to keep that element but i also wanted to make it kind of sexy yeah so i cut the i don't know if um you've seen but i cut the bum out in like the yeah, shape of seen. a heart yeah yeah um, and then all of um, the chest was out the nip- mm. the nipples were out mm-hmm. so it's this really like um I found it quite tasteful. And there was a little um, uh, nipple cover that was made from foam that had a bit of fur sticking out of it. Okay. So it's kind of like comical yeah. um, and camp, but also um, still quite... I find it quite intimidating. Like a mm. muscle suit is quite intimidating. Mm. Mm. And that's what I wanted to create. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. And that is a famous, now famous costume because it turned up in the FKA Twigs uh, Thank You Song video, I believe. Yeah. So how yeah. did that all come about? Um, so that was actually very last minute. It was, I was just, because I, I was living in London last year. I was in my house in London and... Um, they called me and they were like we're doing Twigs's um, music video and we'd love for the demon costume to be like well underway in there and, but they wanted it to be spray, splayed, ugh, sprayed black Yeah. so um, I had to do a really quick like job like for like the whole night I didn't sleep making the um, the shoes mm-hmm. the, everything black yeah. and then that just it was really fun it was a really fun day and it was a really fun thing to be part of and also to see like Krampus part 2 like, yeah, yeah Krampus yeah. turns into demon part 2 so it was nice <laughs> 
Um, it's interesting. And the thing that I was thinking about is often like um, pop stars, when you see something like a Twigs video, it's definitely her word and her POV, but she has to take from other creators around her to build that out. Mm. Um, so it's interesting how they can see something and they almost sort of select it like a director and then it's then taken into their world and it's become, it becomes part of them. But it's interesting mm. to talk about the journey of where that Krampus originally started from yeah. because it's yeah, often... Yeah. Um, Overlooked. So I just want to. And jump it's nice to be part of such a, a an amazing artist yes. and brought into that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it, it's nice that like big artists support smaller artists, mm. and I'm fully for that. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's an amazing. She's an amazing visionary and musician. Um, so I just want to jump into the next topic, which is I'm dyslexic, and that's all right. Um, so it's a topic that's very close to my heart because I'm supremely dyslexic um, myself, and I know that's something you've spoken about in the past. Um, so can you tell me about the first time you felt something was wrong or not clicking compared to you and your friends? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I think, like, I never actually knew that I mm. was. <clears throat> sorry, I never knew I was until um, I got diagnosed when I was 16. Right. So I actually never even suspected. I didn't even, because I, I never, like, thought to self-diagnose myself, like, something's wrong here, because... Yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of went through life and I, I would never touch a book in okay. my life. Like, don't touch a book. Like, I try now, but like, yeah. in the past, I never ever touched a book because it would just go in one ear and completely out the other, no matter how interested I was in the book. Mm-hmm. And the same with comprehension. Anything English and questions with long questions or anything, completely gone. My short-term memory with my reading and my dyslexia is just yeah. like straight over my head. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say um, from about 16 was when I found out that yeah. I was um, had like severe dyslexia and I was like oh my god <laughs> like it makes sense yeah so in terms of your like friends and um, and because I found with mine I was mm. very acutely aware of it because I was way underperforming at school which created yeah. a gulf between me and the other um, kids so how were your friends receptive to your dyslexia or was it even like a particular issue at yeah. all yeah um I wouldn't say my friends, um, because to be honest, when I got diagnosed, I went to this woman and she mm. said that I went to the, the woman to get diagnosed and she basically did a set of tests. You probably had the same where it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. the tests and then it's like the, the so the I think like the highest test you get compared to the lowest test and yeah. how big that gap is, yeah, is yeah, how yeah. like how severe it is because your brain's not like on the right you know trajectory yeah. that it should yeah, be yeah. um and she did the she did the um pattern the one with the patterns where yep she basically laid out loads of patterns and i had to make another pattern with tiny pieces right yeah and yeah. apparently i was in like the top one percent yeah of the well of the the pe- i don't know what you say but yeah of doing that and then my reading was like a 10 year old and right. i was like 17 yeah yeah so she was that's what kind of Mm. But she said that the reason why I haven't found, I, I don't realise that I'm dyslexic until now is that my whole life I've used patterns to get through. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah so yeah. like everything I've just seen as a pattern. And right. so it's just my pattern memory. That's the only way I've been doing it. Yeah. So it was really interesting. I was like, kind of found a way to deal with it through pattern. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. It's like you learn through shapes because that's what I yes, find. If I don't yeah. understand something, I'll just learn the shape of it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was good to know though. Um, 
Yeah, and I also just touching it because most people, and I find this is a bit, I, I find it problematic because people refer to dyslexia as being like a superpower. And mm-hmm. I find with me, this is my personal journey, it may be different for yours, but mm-hmm. I find that something, a dyslexia for me is something I have to manage and kind of gets in the way. I have to find, find ways around it. I mean, I think in terms of my associative brain, it's helped mm-hmm. me in some regards, more artistic In what way? Like, um... Um, I'd say in terms of my curiosity, um, mm-hmm. in terms of being able to look at different things together and process that information and, and find a way like, through it to, sort of cons- uh, to put it in a concise yeah. way, I think, yeah. for me. So do you feel like it's a superpower to you still or do you feel like no? Um, I know it's something that I have and I know it's something that I have to manage. Like we were spoke- speaking uh, before, I just have to be very ordered and methodical when I'm doing things because my neurons need to line up correctly and it can right. be a bit of a push to try and get them to go yeah. in the right direction sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I know for me that my dyslexia has made me feel very alienated at times. Have you mm. ever felt that way? Um, I think the way that... Yeah, I definitely have. Mm. I feel sometimes like this pressure to have um, perfect academic opinions on certain topics mm-hmm. that I really struggle to like understand. Yeah. And sometimes like I wish I could just come out with a more academic um, like way of speaking, even though like I actually know that um, that the world is about different thinking thinking in different ways and thinking yeah. outside the box and I know that like everyone's different and and I am like very intellectual in my own way mm. and actually I think like I've learned to just um work with that yeah and just understand that like I give something different I look at things differently um and I'm not going to try and be this academic scholar you know mm. uh, and yeah I think maybe it when if I was like that I would be too uptight and I yeah, wouldn't be yeah. able to just be me and say stuff wrong mm. and uh, like say when I'm wrong and use the wrong words and stutter like I always yeah. do so that's yeah. definitely something I've, I've, I think speech I guess pronunciation I've made some mm. absolute clangers on this <laughs> show of people's like names but it's just like it's a different voice if we're going to talk about I guess like diversity and neurodivergence and stuff like you need to hear different voices you need to hear people mm-hmm. mispronounce um, stutter because if you just get um, locked into a very performative presentational style of communication it's so boring yeah yeah let's hear more of it (laughs) like I actually don't care if someone said to me like Mm. if someone said to me I always say this when Mm. when I've got my friends around I'm like if someone said to me I feel really this and then they Mm. did they did like a weird dance or they they said like a weird word that didn't make sense Mm. I'd love it yeah because it's like Mm. I don't know I just really enjoy that element of like creative Mm. expression rather than I feel really this exact word for you know so also something I've been thinking about uh, following along those lines because I know from scientific research a person with dyslexia has a spikier brainwave pattern because their neurons are bouncing around looking for a connection so subconsciously do you think that's influenced your creative tastes at all like and what I mean by that is um our brains are more sticky to more extreme and weird experiences Mm -hmm. and I think that you were saying you'll gravitate towards the darkness so could you maybe sort of explore that a little bit perhaps Mm. about um I mean, I definitely think in the terms of like spiky, um, the, the path that we take, um, I definitely think that 
like my brain works very up and down it doesn't like um it does not like a schedule and Mm. a and one thing it's like i'm always seeking um to be like exhilarated from different things and different angles and i'm always changing my room around like if you know me my bed's been on every single wall like it's been in the middle of the room so you can walk around the whole thing like it's been like everywhere and Mm -hmm. it's because like i just love change right like i don't i actually say i've got kind of like commitment issues with Mm -hmm. my with my schedule Mm -hmm. um but i think like with the nature of my job it's good because it is always changing and i think i finally found a job that i really it is always testing me in different ways yeah so um i would definitely say like i'm not sure if it is dyslexia but i think it probably is it's not being able to stay on a certain path and i Mm. think like we're all we were all born differently and we should just go with what is works best for us yeah so yeah yeah. um so it brings me nicely onto topic three and working on set so i just want to jump into um you recently worked on a photo shoot with the former playboy model sarah mcdaniel aka crotchety and you turned her Mm -hmm. into a furry forest being Mm -hmm. so how do you plan something like that um that was actually not planned well no it was actually well we did it before so Mm. i worked with um foxatron which is the photographer which is actually really funny because it was the foxy shoe on with uh, with the photographer foxatron Mm -hmm. um but um we did a shoot together um for someone and it didn't come about and it was the most i wish i could like say who it was for mm. or um, show the images, but it didn't come to fruition. Mm. So then we just took it into our own. It was just a collab. It yeah. wasn't. There was. It was just a self-driven passion project where we met up with um, Sarah, mm. who's so lovely. Yeah. And um, covered her. We did this, and we basically recreated the look that we did before again. Right. Okay. okay. It was yeah. slightly adapted and everything, but I, I had like under two hours to do that whole wow. thing. Yeah. Um, which was really stressful. Yeah. But also, like, not that stressful. So, just to recap, so literally the person you'd booked to come in to do that dropped out, like, last minute and you had to fill in, or...? Um, no, so it actually... We, we actually did the whole shoot... Oh, right, like, okay, about two months before. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then it didn't get, it didn't, um, get like, shown, so then we just decided to, like... Because we wanted to show... Mm. We wanted to show it, yeah. so we decided to just do it again. So just jumping a little deeper into that, because you've got a little time-lapse video on your Instagram of you doing the makeup. So mm. just for our listeners, can you just talk through the process of what you actually did to Sarah on that particular day? Mm-hmm. So, um, prosade gr- glue, cream glue, you put it on the areas that you want. Mm-hmm. And I bought this, like, um, real yak hair. Real yeah. yak hair, I think. Um, and I straighten it and I prep it and I mix the colour so it looks more real and then mm. I cut it to the right length and I basically just like <clears throat> push um, the hair upwards in an upwards motion so it actually looks like it's coming from the skin yeah. so you have to start from the bottom up because mm-hmm. obviously if you start at the top you're going to have to be lifting the hair up to go underneath so you start from the bottom and you basically just build the layers up mm-hmm. and you, you're pulling it off and we just and kind of map out the shape of the hair with the glue mm-hmm. um, wait for it to dry and then you just stick it on it's a very long process but it looks so real in person yeah. in person it genuinely looks like she had she had grown hair right. in the, all of those areas yeah yeah uh, it's always like very uh, close and personal like, I feel like I've always mm. got like tits in my face 
Well, that's something I was going to ask about. So, did you know Sarah before this? Because they, what she what did become famous as I was doing my research um, is someone. There was like a big like controversy about the fact that she's got two different coloured eyes, mm. and people were like kicking off and saying, "Actually, no, your eyes aren't different coloured." Um, oh, really? Like, yeah, and they're saying that she was lying about it. There was somebody with another Instagram um, who basically, oh, really? yeah, goes through like fake celebrity things or when they like lie or photoshopping oh, wow. and they were saying that her eyes were photoshopped and then she had to go through this whole explanation of actually no it's dependent on the light and when the light hits oh, wow. her eyes that's how they become that's really interesting because i was right up in her grill we were talking about it <clears throat> and she was telling me how she's had it since she was young yeah. so, and I, I didn't i mean like i didn't pick up on anything i think maybe i was so engrossed in like yeah. this conversation and doing my job and mm. i'm not one to like pick up on anything like yeah. that but I mean she had a blue and a brown eye so like <laughs> we can confirm we can yeah. confirm yeah. like it's that. not a lie yeah um, and I guess like <clears throat> in a way because essentially <clears throat> if you talk about playboy models there's certain expectations sort of physically beyond the just uh, I didn't um, even know she was a playboy model um, until I actually saw your question <laughs> yeah so it was part of when they rebranded back in 2016 where it became more well, a playboy of old, you would say, was was appealed to a certain demographic of, of men and a mm. certain gaze, whereas they were trying to be a bit more universal in their approach of it being um, not so male-focused and more universal in its sort of sexual appeal. Mm. The question I would say is, like, when you're dealing with somebody um, with that kind of physicality, what is it to like, work on that human canvas, so to speak? Because obviously you've worked on different bodies before, but... Um, like... For me, I just don't care. Okay. Like, anything goes. I literally don't care. I love to, like, um, meet new people. And I think it's really amazing that um, women can... Uh, I think more women should, like, be able to do shit like that. I think yeah. it's, like, super... And, and more women that don't look how she looks, you know? Yeah. Like, have normal, completely, like, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's amazing. I, I mean, I'm not really one to judge, or I don't really like. I don't. I don't really care. I just see mm. it. I just see it as I'm meeting this cool person who's mm. letting me do this, and mm. we can talk. And I actually find that uh, makeup for me is I really enjoy it because the the, the conversations that I have are really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's always something different. So. Yeah, I get more tits out <laughs> for me. So I just wanted, just following nicely on from that question, you also turned Megan the Stallion into a hot girl panther. Is there an added pressure working so intimately with such a high-profile rap star? And also, um, if you want to get the tea on set, it's normally the hair and makeup people who have it. So you have to for be sure. quite... Um, what's the word discreet I guess yeah it is actually really funny that you say that but it is true because you're you're, you're right up in their face and mm. like shit just comes out yeah um, but I wouldn't say that I mean that of course there is added pressure and like I do feel like you have to have so much inner confidence to just absolutely own it know that mm. you're going to do a good job and a lot of the time um it's not, I'm not saying I fake it till I make it. I know how to do it, but maybe I've never worked with a um, with a oh, such a high profile star before yeah. or that many times. So mm. going into that, I could be so nervous and I could mm. be like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. What if I do something wrong or what if she doesn't like it? But mm. I think that was a really big uh, test for me. I just turned up. I, I, was, I got there at 6 p.m. and I actually started, I was told that I was going to start working at 10 past 6 and I started working at 11 p.m. So I was hanging around. Oh, wow, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was hanging around for like five hours. Wow. Um, but then she was so nice. Yeah. And I was showing her my Krampus and everything and it was yeah. just, and I think if you go into, um, 
if you go in with the attitude of like everyone's normal I'm normal mm. I mean we can chat we're both women here like yeah and I think if you go in with that attitude and there's no um like classes right then yeah, yeah. it's not scary and do you know mm. what I I always say I have this thing that um I don't think that I'm saying she's very talented but I'm saying that what, with my nerves mm-hmm. I'm so much more intimidated by talent than celebrities so like right I don't necessarily think I mean this isn't on Megan's mm. sense but I'm saying mm. in a celebrity sense I don't think that lots of celebrities are the ones with all the talent I think it's like mm. people that ha- that um, all I'm saying is I don't think that every celebrity has the most talent so I think if people were celebrities because of their talent yeah it would be so much better yeah so I just think mm. yeah so I don't really get intimidated by a celeb as such because I'm mm. like we're all the same thing you know, if 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 I was a celeb for my talent, like, I'd mm. be much more famous. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. and so would all my friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you a very unfair question now. What's been the biggest makeup fail you've made on set, and how did you fix it in time? Um. Um. Hmm. This is a hard one. I mean, I've never had like a full blown disaster. Um, but actually what's just sprung to my mind is when I was working on I was working with for a Marvel mm-hmm. um, the beginning of last year and it was my um, second week there yeah. and there was a head painter and I'd been like please can I get into painting because I'd been doing um, sculpting and I wanted to try painting yeah. like, please can I get into painting I really want to try it I'm really good all of this I was just chatting <laughs> shit like right right sorry. right sorry I was yeah. um, I'm really good all of this and so then they put me with the head painter yeah. um, and we got set this job and mm. they were like right and they're really strict they're like yeah. you've got you've got one day to do um, 14 hands and these were the hands for the Ant-Man oh right okay yeah, yeah so yeah. we had to paint all the veins and everything mm. yeah. they're like, and basically like the head painter had a complete meltdown and left really? and walked out in a half and I was left with the whole job to do by myself wow yeah it was actually crazy it was and I was um like I'd never done this before I'd never even worked with the materials but Mm -hmm. I just literally got into the state of like have to do this have to finish this um each one needs to be finished every half an hour and I did it yeah and they were like really impressed with that Mm -hmm. um and then he walked in the next day and was like sorry for walking out and I was like wow yeah so it was really it was stressful Mm. but lots of stuff like that happens I feel like you've just got to learn to roll with the punches yeah Yeah. yeah. you gotta have a tough skin yeah it is it's such a it's such a for an industry so full of confidence there's a lot of like thin skins Mm -hmm. uh, I I guess and also like pressures um, that people put under especially in the fashion industry it's literally working oil rigger hours um, oh my god it's crazy for like like nothing um, to get to that very very small top part Mm -hmm. where you're somewhat in control yeah Um, I think that's why you need to tap into your uh, your um, intuitive and think of mm. how you can get there without getting sucked into the system mm. I think yeah use your think outside the box I think yeah definitely um, so for you what's more creatively satisfying working to a detailed client brief or working with a performer or a director on something that's not even been thought about before oh I don't know um, working 
Yeah, so essentially I was talking to a copywriter recently and he said to me that he likes when he gets a very detailed brief because he knows exactly oh. what he needs to do. Right. Whereas other times where you've given a very la like laissez-faire, very loose sort of brief, you're like, what am I supposed oh. to do? Defo loose. Yeah. Defo loose. I, I find like I probably won't even take a job if it's really detailed. And okay, interesting. I, I'm just because... I mean, of course, if I needed the money and everything, I would, but I find, and if it was ma maybe makeup, mm -hmm. I would, but in terms of costume, I'm gonna spend, you know, like a month making this costume and and like, I won't wanna put it on my Instagram. I always think if I don't wanna put it on my Instagram, then I know it sounds awful, mm. but it's essentially your website. And if you're yeah. not proud to show it, mm -hmm. then I try to avoid that because I just think, at, especially at my age, when I'm trying to like, just trying to build my career, trying yeah. to build my um, myself. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, and I've spent two years like really like channeling exactly what the path that I want to go down. Yeah. Um, so I really love to, to work on a brief where I can just work with the artists. That have, um, I think this year has been really amazing. I've had like five projects where an artist, and they've all been from America, which right. is really interesting. So yeah. it's always been like FaceTime calls. Mm -hmm. But when an artist is like, I want you to do your thing because I can see your your vibe. Yeah. Um, I just want maybe three words, like a helmet, old and rusty. Right. Oh, but that's really basic, but like, I really like that because it's just I can just do whatever I want yeah and I guess that's what people are like here for yeah is they, they came to me because they want to see my mm -hmm. uh, creative uh, ideas so yeah I'd say definitely not so one, was one of the recent ones you did was it jockstrap <laughs> music or was that something you worked with them um, that was uh, makeup for yeah. um, jockstrap yeah and that was like that was pretty much up to me but it was just a, it was like a feral pixie transformation yeah. which I found really fun mm -hmm. um, but that's st um, I mean I'd say it's creative but it was more of a really fun thing to work with Jockstrap on and it was really fun I went to his family home and like Okay, and it was yeah. really, it was really funny. Yeah, he was like, in his nan's house with his feral pixie <laughs> transformation. I was eating his nan's cake, and yeah. it was just like really like a funny thing. And is there anything in particular when you work with someone like him that does he bring certain um, what's the like certain items, certain like points of reference for you to look over? Um, no. So what normally happens is um, someone will approach me with an idea, and yeah. I'll just say. Let me get some mood boards together for you. Yeah. Um, sketch a bit, show you some references, and mm. then, and then I pitch them my idea, and we go from there. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I'd say like, it's very much they begin with just describing with a few words. Yeah. Or maybe a, a photography mood board or something, and okay. then I work from that. Right. And then maybe we'll have a conversation after that, and. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. It's very, it's very like a back and forth conversation, but they kind of trust my vision. Okay. So I'd say. And is that process initially started through Instagram? Do they contact you through Instagram or through other websites or other professional avenues? Um, Instagram only. Yeah. I've been, I just, I feel like I'm talking like, I just want to say that this is my dream scenario of 
being able to work. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that. I'm, I don't right. want to sound like really cocky, like this is how I work. Yeah. Um, but if I have a good project, that's how I love it to work. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, they contact me through Instagram. So um, it's a shame because sometimes I just want to switch off my Instagram. And yeah. if I do, I might miss something. Right. Yeah. And it's like sifting through things. You, mm-hmm. it's, it is like a full-time admin mm. job of like always looking looking and seeing maybe someone who liked your work messaging them yeah so it's really hard like very hard and then I think we spoke about just before the interview your Mud <coughs> Queen's Instagram profile could you talk a little bit like that and how that's impacted your career so far um I think Mud Queen's has really like impacted my career in a good way I started it about um eight months seven months seven months ago and this was literally I was just doing costume and I've always been like the person that all my friends come to before a night out and like my mum comes to my um all my friends and I was like please can I do this weird look on you and they're all like yeah go for it and then they would all be going to the party looking like at like literal gorge and then yeah. I've got like 10 minutes to try and throw on a bit of eyeliner so I was just like yeah. I love doing makeup mm-hmm. um, and like uh, SFX and I've worked I worked on it in Marvel so I just thought like why would I not yeah um, and it was um, I've thought about merging my mug queens with my normal yeah. but I'm not going to do it mm. um, until I feel like it's really really valid to do it but mug queens has really um, opened lots of doors for me as well so could you talk a little bit about like serving some looks so the one that I looked at most recently and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong was Anime Gore oh yeah Anime <laughs> yeah so can you tell me a little bit about that and maybe explain to the listeners what that what that's about okay so Anime Girl is um, I saw a picture on I saw pictures on a form of social media I can't remember what I think mm. it was TikTok um, of this stunning guy who had anime makeup on mm. and literally it was like when I say it, it was a 20 minute makeup where yeah. I me and my um, friend Yaz we were going to see our friend Salvia perform in like this pub in Camden mm. and me and Yaz always pull looks with 10 minutes to go. We're like, what should we do? Quickly, quickly, let's just throw something blue on our head and like run out. And I just decided to do an anime look. Right. And it turned out so much better than I thought. Mm. And then like it got so such a good reception that I filmed it again and did yeah. it like mm. properly. So it was basically a really spur of the moment. And I love... Um, I love like transformative illusion. Right. That's definitely something that I want to get into more for yeah. Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually got some really fun um, Halloween uh, shoots planned. So mm-hmm. you'll be seeing more of that. Nice. And just all picking up a little <coughs> bit, your friend uh, Yaz, mm-hmm. um, who also has had a very significant placement with her final shit, uh, final final show uh, <laughs> um, dress that's ended up on Bjork's latest album cover I believe yeah. like it's everywhere at the moment I know she didn't even so she obviously gave the dress yeah and she didn't even know that it was on a billboard until someone sent oh, her wow. it which is yeah, like yeah. crazy because mm. she should be the first one who's tagged and the first one who yeah. sees it yeah, yeah. and that's like the crazy thing about this industry is not a lot of amazing designers like her get credited for the thing that is the literal showstopper, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, she, me and her actually lived together last year and it was such a nice, like, environment. So she'd be doing her thing and mm. I actually helped her um, on a bit of her um, final collection and then mm. she gave me the opportunity to do the makeup for her show. So it was really yeah. nice to, like 
collab in that aspect because mm. um, we've been best friends since we were like 11 so yeah it's like it was a really really like full circle moment nice nice to be a part of um so i just want to quickly move on to topic four which is industry thoughts um so we spoke a little bit briefly about it but i feel like instagram and social media is a bit of a double-edged sword for young creative women who use their bodies as a canvas for their fashion design and artwork because inherently it's viewed as sexual and banned so what's your experience been like of that um okay so i think originally my my uh, opinion was really frustrated that mm-hmm. the only way this is very much like three years ago or so when I first started to post my creative work in a serious way Mm. Um, and it was just not getting the feedback that my pictures of me would get you know because I I came from I I went to school in a small town in the countryside where Mm. um, it was very just like right wing like okay you know just I mean it was full of cool people too but it was very much like the hot girls were the hot shit on instagram and like you know you follow them and you like their pictures and everyone um and it was just very like an unhealthy way of living and i Mm. think like when i actually left to london and i moved out of that space and i started to become the person who i actually wanted to be rather than got forced yeah into being you know in your teen years you're trying to like Mm. impress you're trying to um grow and impress and know who you are um so then like when i was coming out of that and i was starting to post my real work and it wouldn't get any likes and i was just like what the fuck what is sorry i'm not i swear (laughs) no it's fine i was like what is wrong with people like why do you want to just see the same photos of girls you know it's just so but Mm. now and then I kind of got past that level where yeah. in, in, in lockdown, I started to get loads of followers that were following me for what I wanted them to follow. Yeah. Because I was actually spending time and, and the Krampus really like got me a lot of followers that right. really were interested in my work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I kind of think and I've kind of gone the opposite way. I'm like, like if I've got it, flaunt it. Mm. If you want to do that, do it. Um, yeah. And... I think now more more of my followers are queer, which is right. amazing. And yeah, it makes yeah. me feel like it's a safer environment anyway. So mm-hmm. I, most of the time, if I was to post my work with my body showing, yeah. they'd be like, yes, girl. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and they would, they oh. would praise that. Mm-hmm. And then you get the odd, like, boy from year 10, like it. And I'm like, well, that's cool. But like, I don't yeah. really care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I do, I do hate Instagram as well, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I feel like Instagram, like it gives you an opportunity to connect and create and meet people. But conversely, there's this whole other side of things and also the censorship side of things. How can um, somebody who's promoting an OnlyFans um, be the equivalent of somebody who's experimenting, you know, with a suit of armour, an erotic mm. suit of armour? How are they in the same sort of bracket? How are they viewed as the same thing? Then they're, they're not. They're no. two separate things. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's got their hustle. Like, mm. I would never, I would never like put someone down if they wanted to start an OnlyFans. Oh yeah, me neither. You know, it's like it's a different hustle, but yeah. it's still a hustle, and it is what it is. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I, I like to be um, like given applause for my work. I, mm. I genuinely don't post that many pictures of me anymore because I don't want to get likes because of that I just want to be more of a business yeah yeah you know um so just moving on what is the one thing you would change about the mainstream fashion industry and why oh god this is a hard question I think it's hard for me because I don't really 
particularly look to the fashion industry a lot. I don't actually um, take, I don't try and take inspiration from the fashion world because Mm. I take inspiration from like film. Right. Um, But I would say that loads of my friends are in the fashion industry and I kind of got, I am caught up in it as well. So I'd probably say uh, the concept of like everyone seeing everything. Right. And like inspiration being copied from Shein, from this incredible designer, mm. you know, like yeah. like massive uh, warehouses copying younger mm. artists. And mm-hmm. I just think the rip off that is like interning for two years mm-hmm. and not getting paid. And yeah, it's like, yeah. what do you expect these? Like, no one has a lot of money in London unless yeah, yeah. you unless you're in another bag but like mm. what how do you expect like a 20 year old to intern for two years and afford it yeah yeah you know I'm, I'm all for like interning I've I've done my fair share of interning but like I think some people can take the piss a bit mm. um, and these young designers they're so hungry and full of life that they'll just do it yeah yeah because they want and it's like it's yeah. crazy isn't it it's it, not yeah so I think that definitely um so I know you've made avant-garde handbags, shoes and clothing and accessories made from algae in the past. Do you think algae is the future of sustainable fashion and clothing? I mean, I definitely think it's like a stunning, it's a stunning thing that you can use to make art. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm actually thinking about getting back into it with my bags. Yeah. And it was what I used for my first monster costume to, mm-hmm. make, to make all the, I did these like, crazy venom dripping hands and and venom dripping feet and it was made from algae right okay yeah and yeah. i and i actually really i loved it but mm. i have really bad eczema right um yeah, yeah. and it's i just find the fumes were like too much for my mm-hmm. skin uh, here and there it's fine but for me solely it's not um the future of my, of the i see but i do think algae ca- could it, it can definitely be it could be fine-tuned into a point where it could be a really cool source. Right. But then I haven't looked at it on a wide scale. I literally picked it from a, a mini horse truck, trunk, okay. tr- uh, trough, yeah. a ho- horse trough. Um, in When I lived in the countryside, oh, I would right. go and take it from the horse's trough because yeah, yeah, yeah. they clean it out anyway yeah. because it gets in the way. Mm. And I'd come home with this bag of algae, only mm. like the size of like 10 centimeters squared, mm. maybe. And I'd wash it, bleach it, and then freeze it. Right. And then I'd take it out as I need, because otherwise it smells. Right. And then you encase it in the resin. Oh, okay, right, Um, interesting. So, I mean, like, it was a really fun process for me to get into, and I loved the way it looks, so... Mm. It was really cool. Um, I just went to this CMS exhibition just around the corner, and Stella McCartney is showcasing... um, leather goods made from mycelia which is mushrooms oh wow yeah yeah so it is people like mycelium are, yeah mycelium that's the one yes. yeah mycelium yeah, yeah. Um, and I touched it and it does feel like leather like it mm-hmm. does generally feel like yeah it. it's crazy mushroom leather's really a big thing and also <laughs> yeah. um, fruit leather oh okay I've never of fruit leather yeah I learned about it when I was doing my textiles um, fruit leather mushroom leather um, there was loads of really cool things so again like just very quickly moving on as a young British creative hit with yet another financial crisis are you optimistic about the future of the art and design industry in the UK over the next 10 years or so um I would say half and half um I would say that I am um optimistic but also prices are like insane at the moment and Mm -hmm. I I do know that I do know like a lot of um my friends young 
incredible creatives not getting paid yeah um people not getting uh, the credit for their work mm. people not being able to afford london so i just think um honestly for the future it isn't it isn't in london maybe yeah. okay, i think interesting yeah. i think um we should like travel more and actually stop uh settling for this life of london yeah the world's a lot like i feel like life's a lot more more than that and mm. we shouldn't um because i did i did that i tried to, I wanted to be in London. Mm. I wanted to be this des like designer in London, and then I just realised like, wow, that is so not yeah. what is right for me actually. And I'm not going to be like sucked into this game of give all your money to um, to these people and you don't get anything back. You just yeah. rent rent somewhere and then you lose all your money that you've worked for. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah, yeah. I'd say like here and there, yes or no. I do like coming to London, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so finally, what is your dream project if money and time wasn't an object? Oh, God. Um, I always say that one of my dream things would be to, like, start... I kind of see this in the future of something I want to do is, is to, like, start some sort of um, uh, company or industry or school mm -hmm. where... Um, I can like teach kids okay. um, for free um, to teach them to do like ceramics and teach them maybe some, something to do with like mental health um, and getting I just I, I think like in terms of I don't have any like celeb that I'm going to say that I really want to work with because there's probably a few but yeah. in terms of like my soul I feel like I really want to help people and I'd love to be able to like have enough money to not worry about that mm. and I'd love to help young kids be more film like art is art and creativity is more of a um, thing that you can pursue right, right, um, right. Yeah. and also I'd love to go and live somewhere with all my friends and create like a industry where we can all work mm -hmm. um, and like kind of like the midsummer place you know when they all yeah. kind of live in that place i'd love to create like a warehouse space for all my friends where mm. we all live there and it's good vibes and um yeah uh, and lastly where can people check out your 3d design prosthetics makeup and fashion work and follow you on social media so you can follow me on um social media on instagram at tilda so it's t-i-l-d-a-x -T underscore x underscore and then you can also follow me on Instagram on Mug Queens, which is more makeup on mug underscore, underscore queens. Um, so, yeah. Perfect. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much. much for having me. Yeah, it's been my absolute pleasure. Voices Radio. Radio.